Welcome to AASHTO Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management. We're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. In this episode of AASHTO Resource Q&A, we're taking a look at how the construction materials testing and inspection industry has responded to a global pandemic. So we're trying to get perspectives from around the industry and uh, <laughs> it seemed like we needed to get uh, our own perspective out there as well. So we're going to do something a little bit different now. And our producer, Kim Swanson, is going to interview me, uh, Brian Johnson, the manager of the accreditation program, to talk about our response to the pandemic. Kim? Thanks, Brian. Uh, <laughs> no, this is, is an interesting perspective because as we're putting together this series on the industry's response to COVID-19 and the pandemic, it was like, well, we need to know what what AASHTO accreditation is doing, how that impacts so many things. So we thought we'd get the answer straight from the horse's mouth. So, Brian, you at the beginning of this pandemic, I know you we released a video with you kind of saying how how what labs should be doing at the beginning, what what the priorities are and things like that. But how has the ASHTO accreditation program been dealing with the global pandemic? Well, we take our responsibility very seriously and we know that you know we've got over 2000 labs accredited throughout the country, uh, producer labs, uh, third party testing labs and DOT and other government entities. And I knew that people would have questions about how we're going to uh, keep up with our work and what do they do as far as maintaining their accreditation. So we we did it. Our management group got together. It's not just me. It's uh, I've got two managers above me and people on the sides, and we all got together and tried to figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? How are we going to keep our our employees safe? How are we going to carry out the work that needs to be done in our normal tour for you know, proficiency samples, uh, assessments, and what kind of leniency are we going to be able to provide to our customers as far as maintaining their accreditation with the existing deadlines and timeframes and limitations that they now have. Uh, we knew people were going to be just not working for a while. Mm -hmm. So instantly we thought, okay, well, we needed to extend deadlines. So I think what was our initial deadline extension was 30 days, mm -hmm. 30 days across the board to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and we figured, hey, that should be fine. People are responsible. They can uh, quarantine themselves for a few weeks and, you know, this will be over shortly. How naive uh, were we? <laughs> incredibly naive. Uh, and then the 30 days turned into a little bit longer. And then uh, while that was going on, we got together again and figured out, okay, how are we going to conduct these assessments in, in a new way? And lots of meetings, lots of procedures were written. Uh, lots of communication was had through webinars uh, to our, you know, both the DOT members and the participating labs to keep communication up. And you referred to that video I made with my sons. Uh, that was one thing I felt was really important for us to get out early and just let everybody know that, you know, from our perspective, like, they have a lot of things to worry about. Uh, they've got their health and safety of the, themselves, their families. Uh, um, 
we were worried about people having to close their businesses. You know, most of our participants are are mom and pop uh, or smaller uh, companies, and we were worried about what the impact would be on those those kinds of customers. Uh, so we just wanted to kind of take a little pressure off them uh, by letting them know that we are not one more thing you're going to have to worry about, and we can be reasonable. Yeah, I think I know as being part of some of those meetings you're talking about that we have taken into consideration of like, we do want to be reasonable. And I think that's been clear. I hope that's been clear in all of our messaging that we've had. So you've mentioned, you know, that the assessments are looking a little different now. How does the remote assessments from resource and CCRL change the way app does their work? And app is the ASHTO accreditation program. So how does that how does those remote assessments really impact ASHTO accreditation? Well, as the ASHTO accreditation program, we are the stewards of the accreditation service for the DOT. So uh, our perspective is we are seeing what goes on and having input into how CCRL and ASHTO resource are going to deliver these onsite assessments. Uh, and our perspective is that we want to maintain the integrity of the program and the quality of the services. Uh, so that the DOTs are getting what they expect as sponsors of our program. So when I go into those meetings, I think, okay, what's what's being left out? What what can we do better uh, in these situations? And how are we going to communicate this to people? Uh, because we do ultimately any of these decisions that are made have to get approved by our oversight committee which is comprised of various members of the DOTs, uh, materials engineers. So we, we, we got it figured out. I, I'd say it went pretty well. And uh, some sound decisions were made uh, to protect the integrity of the program. And uh, it was ultimately approved by the Oversight Committee. But uh, things that you obviously cannot do remotely is physically check equipment. Like that mm -hmm. is one of the main things that we were wrestling with. And how are we going to do this? Well, well, the good news is a lot of the checks that we do are regularly performed by the laboratory themselves at a regular interval. Uh, so this this was actually an opportunity for us to figure out. Uh, this is something I've been wanting for a while, at least on the concrete field side, but it works for the, the soil and asphalt as well. Um, but to have the technician show the auditor, assessor, inspector, whoever it is, how they check the equipment and create these records that they end up showing to us. And the reason why I think that's so critical is there are uh, times when we look at those records and we question the validity of the readings. And we wonder about how much training that person actually received on how to check those uh, and, you know, something as simple as checking a diameter of a mold or an, a sieve opening or something that seems like it would be pretty intuitive. Sometimes it's not. If the person isn't familiar with uh, the requirements or the equipment, uh, as far as like the equipment used to check or, um, you know, how many how many decimal places they need to record it to, to be in conformance. Mm -hmm. uh, those things do have to be taught to the person doing it. Um, and that's not something our role is to, to audit uh, and to confirm conformance, not to instruct necessarily, even though we do a fair amount of that sort of on our website. Uh, but the laboratories really need to focus on that. Um, the, the change 
back to the, the original question, <laughs> the change that we were uh, that I'm excited about is with our assessors and the CCRL inspectors actually watching the technician perform some of those checks. That gives me confidence in the validity of those records, which then I will communicate to our oversight committee and the other specifiers that, hey, we feel even better about this than we did before uh, because of this validation. Uh, so that's something I'm excited about. There's some other, I know I know we're probably going to get into this too, so I'll just jump right out and <laughs> okay. segue into this discussion. <laughs> Another thing I'm excited about are the prospects of being able to do an even better job with some of the field tests. Uh, I'm thinking about sampling. I'm thinking about just the field tests in general where uh, we have to figure out, okay, how are we going to demonstrate, have the laboratory demonstrate these activities in the lab or outside of the lab during an on-site assessment. Uh, sometimes the labs will try to get a manager or somebody who isn't doing it all the time perform those activities and it would go a lot more smoothly if we had an actual like day-to-day <laughs> -day field technician performing those because they know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it would be better for all parties involved and we'd get a better audit uh, out of it or better assessment out of it. Uh, so I, I, we, we haven't gotten to that point with the changes we've made, but I mm -hmm. could, you know, in the long term, I can foresee us moving into, into that kind of situation where it would just improve the overall quality of the program. So what is the biggest challenges that the program, the ASHA accreditation program has faced throughout this global pandemic? What's been the biggest challenges for you? Uh, the hardest thing has been what to do with the laboratories that were not already in conformance, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the labs, we have a lot of labs that are already accredited and they're going through the processes regularly. Uh, when you get in a new laboratory coming in that has never participated, uh, chances are they're missing information or missing uh, calibration records. They've got to all of a sudden find a calibration provider that's willing to come in uh, and perform their work. Now, that's not as bad as it was in the beginning. In the beginning, you had calibrators that weren't traveling. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you were a laboratory in a remote area, you might have had a hard time getting somebody to come in and deliver that service, which would have made it impossible for you to obtain the accreditation required because you have to get the equipment calibrated. Uh, now, we still have the struggle with certification bodies, though. Uh, not all certification programs are operating, uh, even you know, months after we started this activity because either uh, maybe a university is providing that service and they've been pretty much shut down uh, or that certification program that's used in their region just hasn't made adjustments uh, to accommodate social distancing or remote assessment of uh, competency for the person being certified. So there, we're still having to bump out some of the due dates uh, when there are certifications scheduled later in the year, maybe they had to get spread out in the timeline for that certification program. So, so a lot of times we have to deal with what comes to us. Uh, and as long as the laboratories are are being diligent and keeping up with it and communicating to us, we can work with them on extending deadlines. But if they can't or they won't communicate effectively with us, uh, then, then we can't really help them too much. Yeah, have you, has anything about um, the industry's response and our customers' responses to the pandemic surprised you? I would say 
That, that is a really tough question, first of all. I, <laughs> the investigative say, journalism what, here. <laughs> yeah, what was I surprised by? Um, I guess one thing that surprised me is I, you know, in the beginning when we started having this conversation, I was talking about the leadership that we've uh, kind of we've kind of taken uh, some lead in this uh, response. The laboratory's response to our messages has been overwhelmingly positive and well received, and I don't I don't know why I was as surprised about that as I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got a lot of great feedback from people about the messaging that's coming from us and uh, the methodical approach that we took to addressing uh, our response to the pandemic and how we're dealing with it. Uh, we seem to be, you know, I, I know we do a good job <laughs> and I feel good about the work we do, but when I hear that we are doing great and, you know, terms like, uh, people being impressed or, you know, leadership and it, initiative that we're taking uh, to us, we, we are just we feel like we're just doing our job. Right. But when, to get to hear positive responses like we've gotten feels really good. And it's nice when you are often the bearer of bad news as the accreditation <laughs> program uh, yeah. to get such a positive response uh, from the laboratories. It's it's been really nice. And I've appreciated that. That's awesome. Um, and what do you what do you think like the long lasting impacts of this pandemic will be for the accreditation program? Uh, better flexibility in the way we can deliver our services. That's that's the big one. Uh, we have done some remote assessments to cover uh, surveillance or supplemental assessments. If somebody wants to add a test method to mm-hmm. their directory listing. You know, those have been accommodated pretty regularly uh, by both CCRL and Ashto Resource. Th- this change to, to make things like this, the uh, remote assessments more uh, normal, mm-hmm. that opens us up to a, a global market. Uh, we've gotten requests for assessment and accreditation from all over the world. Uh, sometimes the places are uh, not safe according to the State Department, mm-hmm. even though from the people requesting it, it's normal to them. So they say, we don't understand why you say it's not safe. We, we use the State Department as our indicator of whether or not we can travel somewhere. Uh, but now all of a sudden, there's a possibility that we could provide accreditation to those kind of places. And I think we have that gives us an opportunity to make things better there and uh, to continue to, to grow quality uh, around the world in our industry. Uh, it is a global marketplace and a global industry with a lot of uh, a lot of the companies are owned by one big company or uh, maybe there are many big companies that own several of, of the uh, the smaller companies in our industry. But uh, some of the quality uh, trickles down around those organizations, but but on its own, because that's what you know they own them. But there aren't as many opportunities for some of the smaller ones to participate in that same kind of activity. And and giving us a a global platform through the remote assessments, I think, could help uh, not just the the bigger companies. They can help themselves a lot of times, but maybe the smaller companies can get a little uh, education and assistance and and development through working with us. And I I think that would be exciting. Yeah, I think that's I I would agree that the 
AASHTO resource as a whole is now more more flexible, I think, than we were um, even in January of this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I think we've had, um, we've surprised, I know, our own staff of how adaptable and, and we can be. We knew that we did a good good job before, but to be able to pivot when needed, uh, I think is it shows a lot about us. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you want to say that I didn't ask? I didn't ask the right questions, perhaps? No, you asked, uh, you asked some great questions, and I, I'm happy to have this opportunity to talk about it. I know we're going to have some discussions with uh, more detailed discussions about the assessment changes. I'm excited about all the developments that have ha happened on that side uh, of our, our organization. Uh, proficiency samples as well. They haven't made some drastic changes, really, because they're still shipping out material. Mm -hmm. um, but they had to delay some of their um, some of their work, but they're catching up rapidly now. Mm -hmm. So that that's good. And uh, I, I guess one thing I, I would like to say is that our we have gone back to essentially normal deadlines now, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that people understand that 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 is not uh, something that we uh, consider to be just like a casual decision and just say, oh, you know, it's just easier for us to go back to normal. We still know people are going to be struggling. Uh, there's still hot spots out there. We're going to have laboratories that say, we can't do this because uh, our whole staff, you know, like uh, has got a, gotten affected by the, uh, by coronavirus or COVID-19. And we still will work with you, um, but you have to communicate with us we can mm -hmm. we're not going to assume that you have been affected by it if we don't hear anything from you uh we will still be keeping to our deadlines essentially normally um but as we said earlier we we always strive to be reasonable uh we do give people due process if someone has a reasonable reason why they can't uh carry out the requirements of our program uh We'll consider them. We have an oversight committee that we can uh, address with your situation. Uh, but we do need to figure out, everybody needs to figure out how to live in this situation. Uh, it's not going away anytime soon. So not only do we need to do our best, but we need to figure out how to get into conformance uh, right now and fix the things that have gone wrong while we were trying to figure it out. Thank you so much for spending time with me and us today. Thanks. I really appreciate <laughs> your time here. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send an email to podcast at ashtoresource.org or call me at 240-436-4820. For other related news and content, check out Ashto Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.